0: all right uh is this okay is, this, is it on or not like a, is that on Huh? it is weird. okay yeah so it's uh it's a blessing uh for me to be here tonight uh sharing with you guys and thank you uh pastor jeff barry sure. for having me and uh as a, uh, as an old man, started getting a lot of gray hairs, i tell you, it's a blessing for me to see the younger generation being pastors of churches and seeing young families, him and his beautiful family, uh, leading God's work. So it's always good. And it's encouraging to me that, you know, as the Bible says, from generation to generation to generation, to see um, um, young... Uh, Man, like Jeff, taking taking the word of God and continue to and uh, uh, just a little bit uh, little, just a little bit about me, real quick, so you guys kind of know it, who is this Gus Hernandez and what's he doing in Ringo. So I was born in Cuba, and uh, when I was eight years old, uh, some of you guys know a little bit of history. Uh, my dad was a political prisoner after the Bay of Pigs. Didn't go very well, and uh, by the grace of God and his perfect sovereignty, uh, my dad was not killed as many were in the prisons and, uh, by communism, which is still there. So when I was eight years old, uh, almost 52 years ago, we uh, arrived, uh, my mom and dad and my grandfather, my grandma had passed away, my three sisters. Uh, it was an agreement between the US and Cuba and some of the political prisoners were able to come out. So we arrived in uh, Miami, Florida, and I was there for almost 38 years, 37 years. And then God just, again, miraculously saved me uh, later on in life when I was in my mid-30s. Uh, used my son, we had put my son in a uh, Christian school in uh, South Florida, First Baptist of Westwood Lake. I had a Christian school, and through him the Lord used him to reach the rest of the family, basically. Uh, I came to know the Lord, my wife. Uh, our youngest daughter, Annie, went to the school, and then she later on also. Uh, and Gus Jr. serves uh, as a, one of the pastors at Long Hollow Baptist here in <clears throat> Tennessee, in Hendersonville, Gallatin area. So Gus has been in ministry uh, since um, he was a little kid. So we've been blessed. Um, I haven't been back to Cuba in 51 years. Obviously, you got to understand with the history of my dad and all that stuff, even though lately, now that I've been pressured, but I've been praying about it only because of missions. Uh, we know some missionaries have been going to Cuba, and they've wanted me to go back and go back because of maybe uh, the knowledge of, you know, a little bit of Cuba, but I don't recall much because I was just 8 years old when I, when I, I got here. And then in 2005... The Cuban population in Ringgold increased 100%, I think, because my wife and I relocated to Ringgold, and there's not many Cubans in Ringgold. There is, I did meet another young man that they have where Richard's Restaurant, right next to it, there's a little bakery that do uh, cakes and all that stuff, and the young man is married to to a young American girl, so I know of three Cubans in Ringgold, because my daughter is no longer here, my son is no longer here, but the Lord is really, his sovereignty, it's, uh, it's overwhelming in how he's blessed us and brought us here. In 2005, we um, relocated here in 2006. I joined Silverdale Baptist Church, not thinking of anything. And then in 2010, the Lord says, you and your wife are going to be missionaries. And we never, we always gave to missions. We're really good at giving money to missions. But you would never thought it, you know, after both of our kids got married and all that at our age to go on missions and it's interesting because like it's full circle. I was born in the Caribbean, went to Miami, here in Chattanooga and now God says you go back to the Caribbean and he sent my wife and I and she wanted to be here tonight. She uh, has the best job in the world. She's a grandma and she babysits. So she's babysitting our, uh, our grandson. Um, but we went to the Dominican Republic for almost six years. Uh, And that wasn't a a wake-up call because, again, 50 some years in the U.S., you know the U.S. system. This is the way of life. And then you go back to a third-world country, and it was—I'll be honest with you—that first year was a big test for my wife and I, being away from everything. And and, you know, thank God for our church family and and friends, and even the Dominican people were so good, very American-friendly, very good to us. And the Lord really blessed there. So in 2015, again, God in his ways and his plan, I was meeting with Pastor Tony at Silverdale Baptist Church, and he goes, Gus, we really want to expand our local missions effort locally. We were blessed. We were doing great. When we were more comfortable after getting used to living in the Dominican Republic, helping start some churches, we had a big missions compound, which we still go every year, and Silverdale students go every year. Uh, is when the Lord says to relocate and come back to Chattanooga. Uh, to, um, you know, our church started growing, Sybil started growing and with more people. and said, so how can we get our church more engaged in local missions? We're doing great internationally, but, uh, you know, as a church, we would love to do more locally in the inner city. Uh, Hispanic population was growing in Chattanooga and said it would be great if you come and, and help our missions pastor. Chuck Tanner, to do this and expand our local missions efforts. Uh, and that's what, you know, after a few months of praying, almost a year praying, I told the foundation I was missionary with, they were a blessing to us. I said, I think the Lord wants us to come back, and we did. And uh, that's where we've been. I've been doing that ever since. Um, I, I, I have a message that God just put in my heart. Uh, we talk about missions. It's kind of like a personal map. It's a great story in the Bible, uh, and in the theme of Acts one, it, it's really—it's a great verse. It's a great verse. Um, that's the last—that's the last words from our Lord that he says there. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be. Witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, so that's basically the theme of not only to the ends of the earth, but in the in-betweens. Um, obviously, uh, even at a large church at Silverdale, we have over a dozen international missionaries. But what about the other thousands of people that go every week to church? See, we're all called to missions. We're all missionaries. Some may go in Timbuktu, but some are missionaries to your neighbor, to your family. And that was the burden that I had when I was in the Dominican, and my wife kept telling me this, you know, we're, we're, we're here in the Dominican, which is great, but we're, we're losing a lot of our youth and the next generation, even in our country in America, which is the one that sends a lot of missionaries to other countries, or well, now maybe our country in our city. And he goes, what about Chattanooga? What about our, our country? Uh, and, and, that started giving me a burden in my heart. And that's when, you know, when God does things like that, it's like, okay, maybe it's time to relocate and help and serve in, in, in this, uh, in the city. And we've done that. Um, uh, but I'm guilty. I think as a lot of us that we sometimes get caught up so much in ministry and missions that we miss the, the individual people the 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 what really missions is about what god is about which is people individual people and sometimes we miss that so i just want to i want to i want to pray and i want you guys if you can if you have uh, your bibles i'm going to i'm just going to share out of the book of mark if you go to mark chapter 10 it's a great story mark chapter 10 actually there's there's three or four messages out of that. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be as long as your pastor is sometimes on Sunday, I hear. And he can, so that, uh, so I'll try, to, uh, I'll try to keep it a little shorter than that. But Mark chapter 10, is uh, some great stories. A couple stories there, but one I'm going to focus on, so let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your goodness and blessings to us. Lord, thank you for this congregation, this church. Thank you for Pastor Barry. Lord, continue to bless this church, use them in a great and mighty way, that they will be faithful to your word and to your calling for their lives. We praise praise you, and that you may take all the glory tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, Mark chapter 10. um, I'm going to just read from, it's a long passage. I'm going to go from 32 to 52. Uh, it says there, this is uh, basically this is the third time that Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. It says there in verse thirty-two. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside again. It's interesting how we look about discipleship. How Christ, even though you'll see here there was multitude and all that stuff again when we talk about personal, how personal Christ was and this is, I think, how missions should be that we need to be personal start first personally and then go as Acts 1-8 says you know, we go from this city we go to this region and we we'll go the be in-betweens and then to the outermost part and he says there, he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that they would, ha- they would happen to him behold, he goes We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the sheep's priests and to the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him, and watch this, and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. So Christ just told them, look, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. And this is interesting. Then James and John the sons of thunder, as you're the sons of Sibbadi, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do us whatever we ask. Do for us whatever we ask. I'm going to pause there real quick. (laughs) Christ just told them, they're going to kill me. It's like they didn't even, it just went over their head. Watch how selfish we're guilty of that watch their selfishness when he says there they ask him like basically hey you're going to die before we want something from you trying to get something from him he says there that we want you to do for us whatever we ask and he said to them what do you want me to do for you now watch what basically what i want to see tonight you see there is really three attitudes. You're going to see three individuals at the end of this passage. You're going to see the disciples. You're going to see Christ. And you're going to see a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And all three have different approach and different attitudes in this story. You can start seeing already how selfish and, you know, basically focus on themselves at that point the disciples were. You can see how compassionate and how forgiving Christ was because imagine he just told them that they're going to kill me. Jeff, they're going to kill me. And you're not even concerned. And, and you're like, hey, do me a favor? <laughs> they're going to kill me. Are you asking me for a favor? But Christ goes, what do you want me to do for you? It's amazing that Christ even says, what do you want me to do for you? They didn't, he knew they didn't get it. He was compassionate. He kept on going. They said to him, grant us what we may, that we may sit, one on the right and the other one on the left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking, basically what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. and And with the baptism that I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on the right hand and on the left hand is not mine to give, but it's for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they began to greatly displease. With, they, were, they were greatly displeased with, Je, with James and John. Again, you can see the attitude of the other disciples. They were now kind of envying, Look at what they're asking, all this commotion going on. Um, so verse 42 on is where I want to kind of focus on that. Watch Jesus Christ says, but Jesus called them to himself. Basically, he calls the time out. Uh, I'm a uh, I'm a big sports sports guy. I coach in high school baseball and college baseball. And sometimes you had to t- <laughs> tell the umpire, "Wait a minute, I need to go see my pitcher." Or in in football, you need hey, something's not going right here. Let me call a timeout. And Christ says, "Wait a minute, timeout, guys." Uh, Jesus called them to himself and said to them, "You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, lorded over them." And their great ones exercise authority over them. Watch this. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whosoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first will be slave of all. That's a strong word. you the use it there. Will be slave of all. For even, watch this, for even, you guys know this passage. It's been in church since. I've been going to church. I've heard this all the time. When you're talking about service, here Christ is presenting himself as a servant. This is the example. This is how he teaches us. He goes there. He goes, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whosoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. And then He says here, For even the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Um, So we see there he's teaching them. He just told them what he expects or what should be expected from them or the model. Christ says, look, I, I came here to serve other people, not just for me, now, I, I came here to give my life, to be a servant, and that's the model that you guys should be. You should be a servant. Um, and the story continues right there. It's like a, within the next day, watch this now, because the Bible says now. So it had to be either the same day or very close. It says, now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho, his disciples and a great multitude... Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road, begging, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still, basically stopped, and commanded him to be called Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The Same question he asked the disciples. What do you want me to do for you? He tells the blind beggar, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, or master or rabbi that I may receive my sight and it ends here when it says then Jesus said to him go your way your faith has made you well and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road I basically if I would title this little message it's basically serving as Christ or That Christ is the model of us as servants, as missionaries, whatever we want to call that. But I see three attitudes here. And we're going to study the disciples. They were, if you're taking notes, they were selfish. They had no compassion. I think they misused the inner circle privileges of being in the inner circle with Christ. They were more focused on ministry. Watch this. We could be doing ministry. They were more focused on ministry than people. And you say, well, you know, Pastor Gus, how was how that? Well, you guys saw the story there. But if we, we're going to park here and stay between verses 46 and 52, it's interesting to me that they just learned from Christ and kind of Christ rebuked them a little bit and says, hey, look, uh, the the world is different. The world is going to want power. They want you to serve. They're going to be selfish. They're going to think about themselves. That's not supposed to be you guys. You guys are supposed to really surrender yourself to me, first of all. But he says, you need to serve one another. You need to be the slave to one another. And all of a sudden, they heard that. They just hurt that they just hurt it's like if you go to class and you just man they told me this in class I should get a hundred percent of my test I take my test and I get an F and I'm like wait how could I get an F well they got an F because it says there in verse 46 now they came to Jericho and I won't be surprised look I, it doesn't say but to me since they were so close to Christ and they were probably walking with Christ along the way and since there was a crowd because a lot of times the Bible says there was a crowd, there was a multitude. But the disciples were probably around Jesus because they were in a group, you know. And it says there that blind beggar Bartimaeus was crying out and crying out. And it says there that when he started crying out, that many, it doesn't say the disciples, but it says many warned him to be quiet. And I always question you know what, I won't be surprised if it was the same disciples they just heard Christ telling them to be servant, to be compassionate, to be a slave they didn't care about blind Bartimaeus they were on a mission they were, and they basically, I won't be surprised if they were the ones that told them hey, you know what, leave Jesus alone they could have told the blind beggar you're a blind beggar, not only blind, you're also a beggar And I won't be surprised if the same disciples that just learned from Christ are now saying to this blind guy, leave Jesus alone. That's, to me, it's sad, but I'm guilty of that sometimes. I remember my first few months in the Dominican Republic. I'm task-oriented. I'm going 100 miles an hour. I still, to this day, and that's one of the weaknesses I have, I have to sometimes pause because I can miss the people that God wants me to reach because I have a task, and I got a I mission, and I got to accomplish that. And sometimes I'll miss the blind Bartimaeus that are on the road, the same ones that Christ sent me to the Dominican to reach. I remember my wife saying, you know, you're so focused on doing something like that. And, they, you know, and, and it was like me trying to do something, not God. So what happened when we we're trying to accomplish something and God is not really the one that is leading us. we kind of think we're doing ministry or we're doing missions and really we're not, if you know what I mean on that. So I had to be cautious. And I'm, I mean, I'm telling you guys, be cautious of the blind Bartimaeus that are put in your path that God wants you to stop and take care of but I think the disciples were some of the ones that told them maybe hey you know what leave Jesus alone be quiet so they were selfish they had no compassion I think I think they misused the inner circle hey we're with Christ we're walking forget this blind beggar instead of taking advantage of that inner circle and bringing the blind blind beggar to Christ I think they, they misused that and didn't use it properly i think they were more more focused on hey we got to go we're going to jericho and this is just a blind beggar you know don't we get that way sometimes they're not good enough to come to poplar springs no they're not they're not good enough you know they're not clean enough They're not good enough they're they're just lost as could be and we don't want them at church i'm not saying that this is the case here but sometimes that's the mentality and i'm as guilty as anybody sometimes Of being so focused and so ministry oriented that we can miss the people that God has in our path or puts in our path. So be careful with the attitude of the disciples on that. Now I want to watch and study, watch the example of the two positive attitudes of Christ and Bartimaeus. So Christ was forgiving, he was a teacher of how to be a servant, he was compassionate, obviously. Watch this. He was personal. And he obviously had the healing and saving power that only he had. So he was forgiving with the disciples. Because here's the great, when I see that, you know, when we see that, you know, we're we're here for the whole world, but the in between. And we're talking here of a story of Bartimaeus, which is basically... Local. I would think, let's say, it's in Ringo. Bartomeu was one of our blind beggars. But God was so forgiving and compassionate and personal that even the, in this story, though the disciples were not acting properly, years down the road, we see Acts 1-8. Those same disciples were the ones who used the worst sitting because of their mission to take the gospel and they finally got it in Acts 1-8 they finally got it just like Peter got it at the end of John when he says did you love me three times Peter finally says yes Lord you know all things yes I finally got it yes I love you and I think in 1-8 the disciples because of Christ's forgiveness compassion and being personal and pouring to them they finally got it and I think that's the same way with us Christ is very compassionate with us. He's very forgiving to us. That though we make mistakes, he still could use us. So don't miss that about Christ. Christ is always, always ready for us with open arms. And though our lives, because all our lives are going to be a roller coaster, we're going to have our ups and downs. You know? Um... Christ will always be there. He will never leave you or forsake you. So you can see his attitudes, forgiving. He was a teacher. To this day, Christ still teaches us through his word. He was compassionate. You can see that there, how compassionate he was with blind Bartimaeus. He was personal and he had the healing and saving power. So so imagine this. This is Christ. Again, this is how I think it was teaching. Not only the multitude, but I think he was teaching. Normally his teaching was to his disciples. So every time he says he pulled them aside. Or, so I think this teaching in this lesson was like, man, I told these guys that they were, um, they needed to be servants. They should not be selfish. I just taught them that. And now this blind beggar's in the road and they still don't get it because you probably heard the same disciples tell this blind guy to what? Leave Jesus alone what does Christ do? He does, time out. I'm going to stop. And he calls the blind beggar. So though there's a multitude, though they have the disciples, he was one-on-one with the blind beggar. He stopped and takes care of that blind beggar. That in itself, it's a teaching moment I think he used for the disciples. But also you can see how personal Christ is. Don't think that just because There's all kinds of people and all things that you're not important to Christ. Everyone is important to Christ, and this is one of the perfect examples. If it's a blind beggar, it's important to Christ. All of us are. That's how personal Christ is, and that's the beauty of Christ. That is, He's a personal God. He's a one-on-one God. He loves the multitude. But I think he's more personal. Because he's, John 3, 16 says that he loved the world. And it says that he gave his only son that whosoever, that whosoever is personal. And here he's personal. To blind Bartimaeus. And then we'll see if the last one is Bartimaeus. I love Bartimaeus. He was desperate. He was in desperate need of help. Can we relate to that? I relate to that. I relate more to blind Bartimaeus than, than I do with, with Christ here, than I do with the disciples. Sometimes I could be a little bit as the disciples. I could be selfish at times, and, you know, and sometimes misuse the inner circle, sometimes be more focused on ministry. But I, I love A lot of the things of Bartimaeus, and I wish I would be more like Bartimaeus because I'm in desperate need of help physically, spiritually, because he was both. He was struggling physically, he was blind, and then spiritually, he was faithful. He was not intimidated. Can you imagine a blind beggar and you have a multitude and the disciples and people telling him, hey, be quiet? And when they told him to be quiet, was he quiet? What's a, what the scripture says, He's, he cried out the more. He wasn't intimidated. I think he was faithful to He knew who He knew who had the power. He knew who had the power. He, when he heard about Christ he knew that Christ was coming it says that when they told him to be quiet it says that he cried out the more so he was not intimidated um, he was forgiving and then he surrendered and gave all he had to follow Christ this is <laughs> I think I will be different than Bartimaeus in some sense but if you look at this at the end it says there that So Jesus stood still, when he got personal, and commanded him to be called. And Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. Watch the last three verses. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered him and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabini, rabbi, you know, teacher, rabbi, master, that I may receive my sight. Now watch verse 52. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. In the last part of that verse 52 says, and immediately he went to his house and condemned his mother and his father and his siblings for leaving him alone on the road. Is that what he said? <laughs> Does it, is that what it says? No, it says that he immediately received sight and followed Jesus. I think I was, wait a minute. Wait, I've been begging there who knows how long. So if I'm blind and I'm begging, where was, because they mentioned, in this, if you look at this passage, it says that Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, where was Timaeus, where was his father? Why didn't his father take care of his son? So I'm like, okay. I would say, Christ, wait a minute. Thank you for my sight, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to give a piece of my mind to my mom and dad and my sisters and my brothers and my siblings or my friends because I'm a blind beggar and I'm here on the road and nobody's helping me. Would we do that? Sometimes we like to get revenge and retaliate, not this guy. He did not care about that because he encountered the power and the beauty of Christ. And once you really do that, anything else is not worth it. Bartomeu has really got it because he says there that he threw away his garments, which is another little story with it in itself because if you look at that, he's a blind beggar. He's got nothing. What does he have? A garment. The Bible says he had something. A little garment or clothing. Back in the Imagine when the sun got hot. That's probably all he had. When he got cold, that's all he had. So all he had was his garment. Don't list this little thing on that. I think that it's a good learning point for us that sometimes we want to hold on to things. And we don't want to follow God completely. So we hold on to our garment, to our homes, to our money, to our stuff, to our... And when we're like, we're not gonna. I'm. I'm not all in for Christ. I'm not. I'm not gonna be all in. If God calls you to go on missions, God calls you to give more to the church, to the things of the kingdom. You were like, ooh, that that garment. I don't know if I want to give that garment. Bartimaeus, that's all he had. Are we willing to give all we have? Throw it aside. That's my challenge, you guys. Because some that may happen to some of you guys. Christ may challenge you guys tonight, a year from now, five years from now, and says, hey, Mr. So-and-so, missus so So -so, So-and-so, I want you to go to Missouri. For what? To do missions in Missouri. I want you to go to New York. I want you to go to Africa. I want you to go to the Caribbean. I want you to go to China. God uses who he wants, when he wants. Are we willing to throw away everything we have like Bartimaeus? All he had was that garment. And it says there that he immediately, that word, at least I'm, I'm reading out of the New King James. I don't know what translation. It says immediately. Pastor, immediately. He didn't wait. He didn't go. He just immediately. Because Christ gave him the option. Listen, Christ's always going to give you the option. Though he's sovereign. He's going to give you the option. He tells him, go your way. Go your way. Christ didn't tell him, follow me. Here, he tells him, go your way. But the blind beggar said, no, I'm I'm immediately going to follow you. You guys know the story of the rich young ruler. Very similar. Sell everything you have, you come follow me. Pick up your cross and come follow me. It was too much, too many garments he had. Rich young ruler did not follow Christ, but this blind beggar immediately followed Christ. So I wish I was more like Bartimaeus, that I could, if God calls me again to go on missions, that i will be willing to do that. Because I'll be honest with you, you can ask my wife, you know, we told God three times. No. No. The first time that God put that for me to go to the Dominican Republic, and if my wife would be here today, she would tell you this, and maybe one day you'll meet her. I told my wife, she's a godly woman, she's a godly woman, love her dearly, we just celebrated 39 years of marriage, she put up with me for 39 years, I told my wife, I need you to pray about this, going on missions overseas, my godly wife tells me, I don't need to pray about that, we ain't going. Are you kidding me? We, I'm not going to a third world country that I don't know. My kids are here. They just got married. Uh, we, you know, we're, we were about to have a granddaughter. My wife says, we don't need to pray about that. We're not going. But when, <laughs> when God wants you to do something, he's going to come back at you. A few months later, the same thing is happening. Got this open door. God is directing me to go there. And again, we, and she's like, no we're not going. I'm not going. And you know, we got to be in the same page, to be honest with you. When you have peace about going somewhere, listen to me, the husband can, can, can go and the wife says, no, don't go. You got to be in the same page. God's going to put you guys mentally in peace. He'll give you the peace of doing that as couples. So the third time comes around, we were basically on a mission trip in the Dominican Republic, and we're in an orphanage, and that's when God broke my my wife's heart there. Got her attention. He takes all kinds of things. He took a mission trip to the Dominican. We were not supposed to go to this orphanage. We were supposed to go. We were actually with our son's church. It wasn't even our church. We were just helping him with Brainerd Baptist Church, and he was the college pastor there. He takes a college group there, and we're just basically chaperoning the kids, and we were supposed to go visit some missionaries. That didn't happen. They changed the schedule and we wound up going to this orphanage that God got my wife's attention. And there in the Dominican, she basically says, if God is telling you, yeah, he has. He's told me like three or four times. If God is telling you to, that we're going to be missionaries to this country, so she finally says, I'm in. And a few months later, we're in the Dominican Republic. We're there for five and a half years, and God used us, not because of us. He used us because of his power. So be open to what God has for you guys. Look at these attitudes. And look at the attitude of Bartimaeus and focus on the attitude of Bartimaeus. He was not intimidated because we're living in, in the day and age... That we are, society is challenging us. Christianity is being challenged everywhere. That it it's become more difficult to proclaim the gospel even in our country. Even in Ringgold. In the Bible Belt. Well, we could probably say that 70% or 80% of Ringo could call themselves uh, it could be culture Christianity, but they say, we're, we're Christians. We go to church and, you know. If, if not, get up Sunday mornings and drive around Ringo. There's hardly no one in Ringo Sunday mornings. It's Empty. I guarantee you most of the people are in church. And that's getting even hard. Society in America is really getting very, very difficult to be a Christian. But Bartimaeus was not intimidated. So, remember that we're desperate in need of Christ stay faithful don't be intimidated be forgiving Bartimaeus I guarantee you he was forgiving to his father Timaeus he didn't go back and blast his father he didn't doesn't, the bible doesn't say that so he probably forgave them once you experience Christ he forgave them forgave his family for leaving him there blind and begging so he was forgiving and he knew where the healing and the power comes from that's why he kept begging and crying out Jesus son of David have mercy on us have mercy on me so as you look at the theme of Acts 1 8 you look at uh, now, Pastor, come up and cha- my challenge is that be open to what God has for you guys. Um, as I say, my wife will be she was, and she shares it day. She said how, she was, she goes, how could I be telling God what to do? She thought she could have stiffed on them a couple times. It's like a football game great running backs to stiff arm you but sooner or later the 11 guys some of us he, he, they're going to get tackled and so God will tackle you if he wants to use you uh, so be open to what God has for your life uh, uh, it's exciting to be here tonight it's great uh, pray that the Lord will continue to bless this church we'll use this church in a great way even within your your one, two, three mile radius I'm a huge believer in the local church. I do local missions for the largest church in Chattanooga. And I tell you, why should Silverdale Baptist Church, though we do a lot of great stuff, why should we do all this stuff? If other churches would do what they need to do within their two, three mile radius, we may not need to go into the inner city. We got hundreds and hundreds of churches in this city. And in this area, if the local church would take care of their body, their family, their neighbors, their friends, it'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. And you guys will be blessed. And God will use you to bless other people. Thank you so much. Appreciate that, brother. Thanks.